0: Today on the Cast, you missed me, didn't you? Well, you really missed me. And guess what? I missed you guys. Vacation Zabe is back in the car tonight, and you're going to get my 30 best minutes or thereabouts while on vacation. I got a lot of takes backing up in me. NFL training camps, my trip to the good land, and a whole lot more. Your Outer Bank ZabeCast is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, ho, 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 ho. here we go. Monday, July 29, 2019, thank you for downloading, and thank you for still being a loyal Zabecast listener. I know, I know, I've been gone all week, I did one show for you last week, and that was it. One show, and I tapped out. It got, it got bad last week, I'll be perfectly honest, you know this, I have not had my voice go out like it did. I don't, I can't remember when it was. That it went out like that. And of course, everyone's saying to me, you got to cut back. You're doing too much. You're going to run yourself into the ground. Well, I duh. I know that. But here's the thing. I'm sort of wired in a way in which once ground is gained, once I've captured a hill on the battlefield of radio or podcasting, I don't want to give it up. Like, I literally cringe when I think, God... Like for example tonight, so let's see, Sunday morning, woke up, went to the airport in Milwaukee, beautiful morning. Roads were completely empty, a very leisurely eight thirty departure on Southwest. Oh yeah, I got I I screwed myself, I overthought it multiple ways on my Southwest pick a seat kind of game. I'll get to that in a second. I go to uh, you know I go to the airport. I wake up in Milwaukee. I go to the airport because I was up in Milwaukee all week. You guys know that already. Um, beautiful day for flying. Flight was on time. Southwest, great and everything. I land in DC right at noon. Takes a little while to get my bags. Got to get the Uber Uber back to the burbs to my parents' house where my car is. Go get the car keys out of the grill in the back. Get my stuff loaded up and then started started to battle traffic down I ninety five to the outer banks. And of course, the first hour was just siege warfare. All that whole 95 stretch south of DC through Lorton and Fredericksburg, it it is always fucked up. It is always heavy traffic both ways, doesn't matter what day of the week, doesn't matter what time of the year, doesn't matter what time of the day. It's ridiculous. So, I trusted Waze and Waze took me out of the Waze. <laughs> See what I did there? Um and it you know, the first hour is the worst. But I made it down to the Outer Banks. And I was unpacking and hanging out with the family. Got here about six PM. Uh, then after dinner I went to the local Harris Teeter, because it's a tradition unlike any other. Made sure to get some summer shandy. Now the beach week can officially begin. And by the time I got home, shit, it's eleven o'clock. Do I really want to go in the car and do a podcast? No. No, I want to just go to bed. I want to have one bourbon, watch some TV, go to bed. But here I am in the car tonight because you guys have to have this thing at 4 a.m., fresh and hot, every single day. And I appreciate you guys for being loyal listeners. So anyway, yeah, I'm doing too much. I I, I got that. I, I don't want to give it up, though. I, ground has been gained. We have we've captured... Hilltops. I can't give them up. I can't. I won't. But I do need to do some more best practices sleep, rest, vocal rest, hydration. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I heard from, oh, who was it? Was it Jay Bendlin, Uh, an army medic, who lectured me on the merits of hydration? And I'm like, okay, you're right. I'm an idiot. So, voice is better. It's like 95%. You can probably hear a little bit of a tinge right there in that mid-vocal, in the mid-vocal range. When I say, Bruce Allen, yeah, we're going to talk about Bruce Allen in just a second here. That's where it goes out. So, That said, I'm off both shows all week, but I am on the ZabeCast today from my car. Okay, Southwest. So you know my strategy, right? It is don't get the A's. Cause then you get on early, you pick a seat you like, it's either an aisle or a window because only a psychopath gets an A boarding pass for Southwest and then plops in a middle seat and waits for people to sit outside of them. Although that would be an interesting gambit. You're on early and you're sitting in a middle seat for no reason. People might avoid you because of it. So anyway, I forgot to check in 24 hours prior and that. That's kind of bullshit, but okay, whatever. I'm lazy, and I always forget. So I get C-33, and I'm like, oh, shit. that That's like end of the plane. That's like we're full to the gills, end of the plane, or so I thought. Oh, not so. Well, I go up to the gate, and I say, is there any way I can buy my way out of this horrible boarding pass? And she says, yes, I can get you A-11. It'll be $30. And I said, you know what? Boom, Sold. Literally, as she is handing me back my credit card, I had the notion to ask, we're a full flight today, aren't we? And she goes, ah, no, not really. we got about 26 empty seats. And I'm like, fuck. 26 empty seats turned out to be three quarters of the middle seats empty. Three quarters of the middle seats empty. I say, all right, I've wasted 30 bucks. Damn it. Okay. I've wasted 30 bucks on even more frivolous things than this, but let's just go ahead and make the most of it. So I I say to myself, where's my best shot at making sure my middle seat is open? And I said, aha, I know, back of the plane window. Back of the plane window, you know, where the seats don't recline, because I don't really care to recline the seats. I'm like, perfect, this will work great. I go back there, I sit down, I'm waiting, and sure enough, at the very end of the boarding process, a boyfriend and girlfriend sit down, and they say, is these seats taken? Because nobody else was sitting in that last row besides me. If I had just gone one up, then I would have been golden. But because I picked such an undesirable seat that nobody was even sitting in the aisle seat either, much less the middle, and so it left open the last ripe two-banger for a couple that was traveling, and they came back, and they boned me. But they were pleasant enough seatmates. Of course, the uh, the, young, the young, nerdy wonk sitting next to me on the flight to Washington, D.C. I look over, I see this big white book on his lap. I mean, thick, two inches thick, and it was the Mueller report I felt like, I didn't say this, but I felt like leaning over and saying, oh, interesting. Is that for work or pleasure? (laughs) Because you know, some people are reading that thing for pleasure. To get off their jollies like, oh, look at all this shit. Look at all this shady shit that Trump did. Oh, and I know I'm already, I'm wading into dangerous territory here. Like Levitard, right? Mixing politics and sports. You didn't read it. You don't even know what he did. He should be in jail. Okay, I, I got it. You're right, I didn't read the Mueller report. I'm not going to read a two-inch-thick book about a report that, in a year, think about it, one year from October, that that is not going to fucking matter one bit or another, one way or another. Either he's going to get reelected, and then those that can't stand Trump are going to, I don't know what they're going to do if he gets reelected. It's going to be nuts. Or he's out of office. And then all the Ewoks who hate him do their dance in the forest. Yay, yay! And then you wonderful happy days are back again for everybody who hates Trump and didn't vote for him. So, I hope the guy's enjoying his reading of the uh, of the Mueller report. He might have to read it for uh, for work. Who knows? You know, he's probably could be a young Washington legal staffer for a campaign or for a uh, for a senator or a congressman's office. Wonder if there'd be a quiz on it though. God, is it long? Holy shit. Okay, so there we go. Lesson learned. Don't pick the back-back row as part of a strategy to say, okay, we got almost all empty middles. How do I make sure I get one of the empty middles? Don't sit in that back-back row. It'll backfire. Okay, congratulations, Bloody Horns champs, for the fifth consecutive year. Nobody can beat these guys. Gene Kiela of the third and Thomas Wetstein—they're <laughs> amazing. They shot seven under combined. That's a two-man scramble at the at the Bullitt Pinehurst Farms, the only Jack Nicklaus signature course in the state of Wisconsin. I cannot thank them enough. Dave Bachman Jr., the owner, uh, Scott Evans, the head professional—they did an unbelievable first-rate job. And thank you to Mikey O'Neill, who was the de facto tournament organizer and the de facto rules official. It went off without a hitch. It really was great. Uh, thanks to the uh, to the Wonder Girls, Tracy and Ellen, who handled the signups or handled the mug handout for those that had matching uniforms. They were great. Uh, thanks to Teresa, who did the photography for the event. That was fantastic. And um, yeah, it was a good time had by all good time had by all and congrats to the champs also in the four-man division congrats to eric madlung uh and his group of guys i don't have all four of their names like i said i'm in a car right now in the driveway of the beach house but those guys shot 63 as a four-man group uh playing from tees that were up a little bit so pretty good there but it was a great event i want to thank everybody that came out and we had another strong outing eight years in. It's, uh, it's been a great event, and I really appreciate everyone who signed up for the Bloody Horns. Okay, the boat trip was great as well. I think I talked about that on Friday morning on the show in Milwaukee. Um, and Josh and Shay, my, my young Jedis, God bless these guys. They are something else. I'm still learning about them more and more every day. Uh, Josh is just a hot mess of a train wreck of a white claw hoarding maniac but I love him. Shay, I love him as well, but sometimes I just shake my head and say, "What are you what are you doing, bro?" Like he shows up late to my golf tournament, which I didn't require him to be there. But here's the thing about Shay. He had nothing going on on Saturday. He had nowhere to be and didn't have to be there until noon, and he still didn't get there until 1:30. <laughs> and then he says to me, "Sorry I was late, I had to get a haircut." <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't give a shit." I don't give a shit that you're here. I don't give a shit that you're not here or your haircut. But hi, Shay, how are you? <laughs> anyway, Shay took some pictures for me as well, and I appreciate that. And of course, he then did a social media post where he took a picture of himself with sunglasses, a picture of himself in front of the night or for the ninety seven three of the game banner, and then a picture of him with me. And just for good measure, there's one picture of the golf course and it was a big post like yeah and uh thanks to everybody hashtag bloody horns at the ball at pinehurst farms blah 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 uh team 90 or i mean uh 97 of the game see i'm gonna get my stations mixed up here um and then i just looked at the pictures and was like okay you're in three of them <laughs> how about one of me okay there was one of me with him but still i love him uh, these kids today these guys All right, let's get to some content. 13 minutes in, a lot of jib-jabbery, a lot of bullshittery. So here we go, content. Trent Williams situation. If it's not DEFCON 1 for the Redskins in Richmond, it's close. Report on Sunday, Jason LaCanfora of the NFL Network. I think that's where he is now. CBS Sports, LaCanfora. God, I can't track his moves. I think it's CBS, actually says that Trent Williams is one hundred percent well not what he used to he is very much at odds with the Redskins organization, cannot trust and will not trust Bruce Allen, still seethingly mad over the mishandling apparently of a medical situation that involved a growth on his scalp and has vowed, according to LaCanfora, to never play for the Redskins again. This is looking more than just a money holdout for a new contract. But I could be wrong. It looks by all accounts to be really, really serious. Now, La has whiffed on more than a few stories in the past. So you have to take his report with a grain of salt. Of course, the Redskins, through their spokesman, Tony Wiley, said that that report today was 100% false. Which I also have to call bullshit on because... It can't be 100% false. If it was 100% false, Trent would be in camp. He'd be smiling from ear to ear. He'd be participating in every rep. He would have just signed a new contract, and he would have said, I love Bruce and Dan and this organization. HTTR for life. See, that's on the other end of the spectrum from pissed at the team, doesn't trust the doctors, thinks, thinks Bruce is a liar, and will not report to camp for love nor money, hook or by crook, and is not talking about it either. See, that would be the difference. One of those is not 100%. Like, at most, that report from Lock-In can only be 50% true. So you have this situation where he's not reporting and nobody's saying anything, even though Bruce Allen the day before camp said, oh, we expect him to be here. Jay Gruden, oh, we expect him to be here. I dared to dream the biggest dream I could possibly dream, which is what if Trent Williams got Bruce Allen's ass fired? What if Trent went right over Bruce's head, right to the belt buckle kid himself, right to Danny Boy Snyder and said, Dan, we need to talk. Come in. Let me come into your office, close the door. And what if he laid it out and said, listen, what you, what you and your fucking quack doctors did with me should never happen. You need to get a better medical staff and one that is not incompetent. That's number one. Number two, this asshat you've got whose dad used to coach the team, fuck him. He is hated by us in the locker room. Get him out of here. We understand GMs and team presidents have to sometimes be the bad guy. We understand that he's the guy that ends up recommending ultimately should guys be cut or if they stay. It's not about that. It's about we hate this guy. So either I'm going to force a trade or you're going to fire Bruce Allen. Your choice. Okay, good meeting, Dan. I'm going to leave now. Have your people call my people when you've made a decision. And what if Dan Snyder whacked his Coors Light drinking buddy, the legacy, the son of Bruce Allen, the son of uh, not excuse me bruce allen the son of the late great george allen oh my god sorry i just had a uh, i had a tingle thinking about it i don't think there's a chance it's going to happen no way but man would it be great as i tweeted on sunday if that happens i'm considering it our fourth lombardi trophy it would be that that sweet The fan base discussed with Bruce Allen cannot be overstated, in my opinion, at this point. Whatever fanboys he once had, whatever loyalists once still existed with Bruce Allen, they're gone now. They're all gone. They see what an oily, dishonest, total suck-up right-hand goon of Snyder Bruce Allen's become. And they hate him. The fan base hates him. I don't blame them. And for those NFL fans out there that don't understand the dynamic, think about the thing that you love the most or maybe once loved the most in sports, your pro football team. And in this case, it's the Redskins, a a franchise that was once so near and dear to so many kids' and adults' hearts in the D.C. area. And then let's imagine your team in that spot being run by the most conniving, backstabbing, slime ball bullshit artist, legacy hire who cannot seemingly get fired for incompetence nor controversy or anything. Bruce Allen's record is fucking terrible. Bruce Allen would not survive any other organization. Bruce Allen, when he does finally get fired by Dan Snyder, and who knows when that's going to be, will not work in the NFL again. Just like Vinny Serrato did not work in the NFL again. This is what happens when you hire less than top-level talent to help run your franchise. Trent Williams, still a holdout. There you go. The NFL is over-covered. I readily admit this. I know we're all excited for it. I actually bought at the grocery store tonight in the Outer Banks an Athlon NFL preseason magazine. I know there's a lot of stuff that's probably out of, out of date, perhaps, or not quite updated, but... It's got it all printed. I know the internet, you can get the same thing, but this is great because it's just, I just flip and flip and I just quickly scan. I'm like, okay, Bills last year. Oh, that's right. They went win, win, loss, loss, win. Okay, yeah. All right, roster over here. Good, I can check that. Who do they pick? Here's another little box there. And just quickly give me their depth chart. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm familiar. It's like sort of uh, cheat sheets for the upcoming NFL season. There is real value in all those things being printed. In a single magazine that you never have to download. You never have to scroll. You don't have to wait for pop up ads to get out of the way or videos that roll over your content. Still something to be said for analog. So the NFL is over covered. I grant you that. And I know so many beat writers who cover the NFL who are required by their bosses to show up on day one of training camp and start tweeting. And start writing and find a story and pump it up and take video and tweet video and analyze plays. They're told to do this by their bosses. They have put the content out there. People have an insatiable appetite for the NFL. Not me. I have learned over the years, and you should have too, not only does training camp and the drills they're doing right now, which are just drills, they're not even hitting. They're not tackling to the ground. They're not even wearing full pads. They don't mean shit. It is insanity to be breaking down a nice catch by Josh Doxson on a go-route that left Quentin Dunbar momentarily confused and turned around. It's the dumbest shit ever, but they're told to do it. They're mandated. You must do this. And I feel bad for those guys. John Kime is one of our best guys on the beat. I mean, a lot of good guys on the beat, but I know Kime. He knows it. He's too smart to fall for this shit. It doesn't matter. So not only do these drills not matter, but even the results in the preseason don't matter. And the results don't matter and how teams look in the preseason don't matter because coaches are rolling out. Well, first of all, the players will play, the key players, if they play at all in the preseason, which, excuse me, more and more teams are playing less of. Excuse me. Hmm, it was Taco Sunday here at the Beach House. Can you smell it? Mm, disgusting. Okay, so let's say 75% of the roster that is going to be your week one roster, let's say 75%, which is a pretty high number, actually plays – In one half of continuous football, in week three, the so-called dress rehearsal game against another team's starting players, and let's say they are at a 75% rate of here are the guys who matter, there's a couple guys who are being held out, just out of precaution or wear and tear. You know what that two quarters of football means? Nothing. It doesn't mean shit. There is no clues to be gleaned. There is no insight to be gained. It means nothing because coaches don't game plan for those specific opponents. They have certain plays they want to work on. And so they don't know what defense they're going to get. They're not even worried about it. They're like, I just want to run this play and see how it looks with our new left guard. And it's one half of football. Half, I mean, I forget what the number is, but most NFL games fall in that 7- to 10-point window or tighter. Which means most games are won and lost in what quarter? The fourth quarter. And how many teams play their starters for a full four quarters in a preseason dress rehearsal game? That's right. None of them. So paying attention to preseason and actually being tuned in to what's being reported, I believe is worse for you than just ignoring all of August football. But it's hard, I know, because we want to we wanna play with our toy. We want to play with Lord football. We can't wait for September to get here. I get it. And I don't blame the reporters who are reporting on it. And I follow them just because I figure, well, I, I want to make sure I'm up to date on all the Packer guys, all the Redskin guys, and vice versa. I just, when I see these things, I just I shake my head. I'm thinking, this sport is so over-covered, and it would be the equivalent of reporting on an NBA preseason game with a full staff of reporters, like eight beat writers per team, covering an NBA. Can you imagine that? An NBA preseason game, and they sent eight guys to go cover it and talk about who looked good, who didn't look good. It'd be insanity. They don't. And, of course, now we've got a new trend in sports, which, uh, if it hasn't already made you nauseous, it will soon. The -the over-the-top fancy entrances to training camp for viral video fame. Jalen Ramsey with the Jaguars showed up coming out of a Brinks truck because he's in a contract year. I think he's in a contract year. You had Antonio Brown. They said that Antonio Brown arrived at camp in a hot air balloon. And I said, well, fuck, I want to see this. So I watched the video. He didn't arrive at training camp in a hot air balloon. He landed somewhere in Northern California in a hot air balloon and then said, hey, Raider fans, I'm I'm glad to be a Raider. Let's get camp started and then cut video. So stop headlining it as, Antonio Brown arrived to camp in a hot air balloon. The fuck he did. Antonio Brown, it should have said, Antonio Brown takes balloon ride, tweets video. We'll report to camp tomorrow. Which he, by the way, did report, but he's not even playing either. He's got something going on that's keeping him out. And then we got John Gruden. I mean, I bag on Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden is so fired here. So fired. This is it. Year six. It's almost like he's – I don't think he's trying. Jay Gruden, of course he joked about Josh Norman jumping over a bull. He's always quick to try to be the funniest guy in the room, even though there should be a ton of pressure on him right now. He says dumb shit like, oh, yeah, Trey Quinn already has the slot receiver position locked down. What the fuck? (laughs) I mean, I like Trey Quinn. He barely played last year due to injury, and he was Mr. Irrelevant, the last player picked in the draft. And you're already saying two days into camp? Oh, yeah, he's got this sewn up. Who does that? That's just amazing. John Gruden I don't think is much better. I watched a John Gruden video in which he's talking to the players on his team, and he's, like, doing that cliché thing like, I tell you what, men, this is not about – beating Georgia, or LSU, this is the NFL, and he was, you know, squinty-eyed, and the whole John Gruden act, I know, I do a terrible impression, it's late, I'm in a car, what do you want, I just laughed when I saw it, I thought, what fucking NFL players think this guy's for real, with these speeches and all, can he still coach, probably, a little, maybe, but the whole John Gruden act is, oh my god, it is such a con, It really is. And he is becoming more and more like Caliendo's over-the-top impersonation of him by the day. I predict this will be another bad year for the Raiders. I would hammer the under on the Raiders despite the additions that they made, including Antonio Brown. And then there was uh, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, who uh, is now the Buccaneers coach and said, if I die on the field while coaching, so be it. Pour one out for me or have a drink for me. I would have died doing what I loved. He was like, screw it. I know I had health concerns. I know I shouldn't be here, but fuck it. I can't stop coaching. I'm back in. And then he made his players dress up in pads, full pads, saying, I don't want to see who the soccer players are here. I want to find out who the football players are. Okay, buddy. Uh, Bruce Arians, nice guy, good quote, wonderful little cap that he wears. That's his trademark. I'm starting to think he might be a big, fat fraud as well. And then one more in the NFL. I saw where Tyreek Hill spoke today. I don't have the audio. Like I said, I'm in a car outside my beach house. Could have still got the audio. God, that, that guy that heckles me is still in the car with me. Unbelievable. Tyreek Hill, apparently responding to questions about did you hit your son or punch your son in the chest, said, well, it was probably just playing around, you know. And he mentioned some superheroes like the Hulk or something like that. And that's what I was doing is just playing around and teaching them, you know, here's how you do this. Oh, my God, shut up. Tyreek, shut up. You have been given the unbelievable break of a lifetime. In that you got no suspension despite plenty of good reason to get the wrath of the ginger hammer. Shut up. If you have to say anything, here's what you say you say, Listen, I'm just glad it all got worked out. I'm trying to be a better father and a better husband every day, and I'm just thankful to be part of the Chiefs organization. End of story. Boom. That's it. That's all you say. Or don't meet with the press. There's no requirement that you meet with the press, but to start like explaining it away. No, dude, no, no, no. Of course, somebody, uh, (laughs) this is bad. I pray to God it doesn't happen, but it's kind of funny in a macabre sort of way. Somebody tweeted, man, these, these Madden 2020 ratings are accurate as fuck. It's week six. Tyreek Hill has already murdered his whole family and is serving a six-game suspension. Yeah, if it's in the game, it's in the game. Yeah, I know. That's not funny. That's why I paused. Awkward pause. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. That is what the NFL has rolled the dice on. If they gave him a six-game out of an abundance of caution to tell him, hey, we don't know exactly what's going on with you and your fiancé and your kid, but guess what? We don't like it. It's bad for business, and you probably sure as fuck aren't totally innocent, so six games, boom. Give them the Zeke treatment is what they should have done. Instead, the NFL is like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, he's really popular. He sells a lot of jerseys. A lot of fantasy leagues have him involved, so yeah. <laughs> There's said. That- poor lineman for the Seahawks that got a six-gamer on literally like nothing, a complete nothing burger of an accusation from a girlfriend that didn't even result in any police action, or at least it wasn't any official charges. Six games, boom. Why? Nobody knows about you. Tyreek Hill, oh my god, everybody knows about him, and he's a huge fantasy player, so no suspension. Good luck, man, to the NFL. They have they have bought in on Tyreek Hill in a way that would not make me comfortable if I was Goodell or his minions. Studs of the weekend, stud number one, Keston Hira for the Brewers. Walk-off, line-drive, laser home run in a bottom of the, was a 10th inning rally on Saturday night? I, w- I listened to it driving home from the bull and the bloody horns, and it was fantastic. Take that, Kimbrell. Yelich, of course, went yard as well to help spur the comeback. Uh, Brewers escaped the night before on Friday as well. They lost on Sunday. I believe they lost I haven't Checked my phone. I think I saw that, though. Um, interesting dynamic. I mean, you know, first of all, Hira's great because he came up and started hitting. And it's like, wow, this rookie might have something going on. He might be really good. Eh, okay, we gotta get Shaw's stroke back. So let's go ahead. Let's send Hera down, and then we'll bring him back up later if Shaw's not doing anything. And that's of course what happened. Hira comes right back to the bigs, resumes hitting, puts together big, long, meaty 15, 12 game hitting streaks, and can hit for power. This kid could be something. He already is. He's having of a rookie year. The other start of the weekend, Brooks Kepka. God, I'm telling you people, get on the Brooks Kepka train. Brooks Kepka doesn't care. He's not here to be friends with these nerds that play golf, and that's all they can do. Jordan Spieth is the perfect embodiment of that. Justin Thomas is another little squid nick that Brooks Kepka has no use for. He must bully the shit out of him in the locker room. Hey, what's up, Justin? And he just grabs him by his 135-pound neck. And then runs him around the locker room, messing with him. Throws him in the shower with his with his polo clothes on. <laughs> Looks like you got wet, loser. Brooks Kepka wins the FedEx event, this uh, you know World Golf Tour event, which they moved because of the new schedule. It's at Memphis. It's the St. Jude. I know it's a great tournament for an incredible cause, and I'm all for it. But man, that golf course sucks balls that that might be the worst layout on tour. I thought Avenel was a bad TPC layout that didn't pop on TV. I, I Memphis has got to be worse. It's got to be. And of course, coming from Ireland, that the temperature change alone couldn't have been pleasant. But short field, big money, it's easy, it's easy money, and so, you know, Brooks Kepka's like, "Okay, you losers, I'll take this money." Shane Lowry didn't play because, well, he was still drunk and he's got a lot of money. But Brooks said, okay, fuck it. I almost, I was kind of in contention at the Irish. I'll play in this thing. It is a limited field, big money, world golf event. So, boom. Wins it, but he wins it. And this is the best part about it. He wins it by showing up on Sunday only 45 minutes prior to his tee time. (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) My buddy Scott Shirey in Houston said Brooks Koepka is helping uh, design sort of a redesign or he's helping with a redesign of a golf course down there. And was like, yeah, I can imagine that thing's not going to have a range because he doesn't practice. (laughs) To which I said, yeah, that that redesign is going to have a 6,000 square foot gym in the basement of the clubhouse with free weights and free weights only and in a putting green. That's maybe the size of a pool table. Just two holes in it. Like, okay, roll a couple. You got it. Fine. Let's go play golf. You losers. This game's easy. I'm Brooks Kepka. Okay, 35 minutes of the best I could give you in the darkness of an undisclosed location on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, one of the great vacation spots in all of the world, not just in the United States of America. I thank you very much for being patient with me as I got my voice back, as I took some needed days off. I think I'm going to do 35 minutes a day. What else do I have to do this week? Uh, Let's see. Drink beer. Read my Athlon NFL Preview magazine. Eat. Drink more beer. Take a nap on the beach. Spend time with my wife and daughters. Go in the pool. That's it. Pretty wide open. So, I will see you tomorrow right back out here. Car side. Car side for another edition of the Cast. Thank you so much for hanging in there. Hope you're having a good end of July. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my...